Peter ends his second epistle with these words about knowing God. 2 Peter 3, verse 18. Peter's final words would be grow, don't remain stagnant or stale or get stuck in your Christian faith, right? Make progress, advance, increase in the grace and knowledge. So grow in grace and knowledge. Of course, knowledge is a big word for this in our eight-part sermon series on knowing God. If you were here last weekend, I unpacked what this word means in the Bible. Remember, knowledge, it's more than just something in my head. It also includes my heart. It's not just my intellect. It includes my emotions. It's just not a mental thing. It's also a relational aspect. So to grow, make advance, increase, mature in the grace and knowledge, to have a head and heart relationship, Peter says, with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the goal of this sermon series. Here's the lineup of sermons, right? Knowing God with my heart and my head, my mental acumen and my emotional part of my life. I know God is my all-knowing God. That was last weekend, of course. This weekend, he's omnipotent, right? That's the big word to simply say he's got all the power. And we all need power, right? Because we all know about power failures. Not just of the electricity type, but there are power failures all around us. Recently, I was reading about dining out power failures. There's a whole industry that will help you avoid Dining out power failures. They are called crusaders for couth. <laughs> One business will charge you $6,000 for a three-month seminar. So you don't have a power failure when you're dining out at Biagi's or especially Eddie Merlot's. So among other things, the Crusaders for Couth will teach you never ever put a napkin in your collar. Not cool. <laughs> Women, don't leave lipstick marks on cups or glasses. That's a power failure. And whatever you do, don't stir or mash your food. Power failure. So there you go. You just saved $6,000. <laughs> Power failures appear in all arenas of life, right? The couple, the married couple, they don't talk anymore. Not really. Power failure. A sheaf will never forgive. <laughs> never forgive that. Never forget. It's called a power failure. Uh, this is a family that's very busy. They live together, but they really don't love each other. That's a power failure. So what do you do when you have a power failure in your marriage, in your heart, on the job, with your children? Where do you go? Well, here are three options, right? 
Just about every bone in our body, every cell that we have, every molecule is going to go to politics, possessions, or popularity, find power, right? This is what we're told. This is the internet. This is media. If you want power, become president of the United States. If you want power, right, get all kinds of possession. You want real power, become really popular. Have a billion people follow you on Facebook. That's where you find the power. I'm here to remind you, and you know, right, you know, that ultimate power, lasting power, eternal power, transformative power is not politics. It's just not. If power was in politics, Joseph Stalin would have had it all. You know Joseph Stalin, right? Dictator of the USSR. Do you know that Joseph Stalin lived in such great fear that he had seven bedrooms and each bedroom could be locked as tight as a safe? I guess if you kill millions of people, you think millions of people are out to kill you. He also had one servant whose sole duty was to guard Joseph Stalin's tea bags. Ultimate power. Don't believe it, folks. Ultimate power isn't in politics. Ultimate power isn't in possessions. This is pretty countercultural, isn't it, right? I get it. I, I look to this stuff just like you do for ultimate power, but I need to remind myself it's not in Washington, D.C., and it's not, it's not in my possessions. If power was in possessions, Howard Hughes would have had it all. You know Howard Hughes, richest man in the 20th century. Do you know how Howard Hughes died? In Mexico, all alone as a hermit with a belly-length beard and corkscrew fingernails. Folks, power isn't in possessions. Not ultimate power. Well, how about popularity? If ultimate power, I mean, you really have it all, was in popularity, then John Lennon would have had it all. You know John Lennon, right? Part of the Fab Four, John, Paul, George, and Ringo. You know what biographers tell us about John Lennon? He was so scared that he had to sleep with the lights on, and he would hardly ever touch anything with his hands for fear of touching germs and contracting a fatal disease. So a power, ultimate power, right, When I have a power shortage in my life, I just can't get up and get going. I just can't face that. When I have a power shortage, don't look to politics (laughs) or possessions or popularity. Look to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 12. This is the single verse in the whole Bible that describes God's power. The true God, the only God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Here we are. It's as though we take off our sandals. We're on holy ground. See, this is evidence of God's power. And God's power is eternal and lasting and transformative. (laughs) So let's take a look. It's a long rhetorical question. Isaiah assumes we know the answer. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? The earth 
has 430 quintillion gallons of water. Now, I don't know what that means. That's just what Wikipedia said. 430 quintillion gallons of water, and this isn't rhetoric, it's reality. God says, you know what? (laughs) I can put it all in my hand. Who marked off the heavens with a span? A span, the Hebrew word, uh, means the distance between your thumb and your index finger. That's a span. Was that about six inches? Do, do, do you know <laughs> how big the heavens are? That, that the known universe from beginning to end is 33 billion light years? You know what a light year is, right? Travel of light is 186,000 miles a second. Uh, going at 186 miles a second, it would take you 33 billion years to go from one end of our universe to the other. God says, yeah, no big deal. I got it. It's amazing. Uh, this isn't rhetoric. This isn't hyperbole. This is who our God is. And it goes on. Enclose the dust of the earth in a measure and weigh the mountains and scales and hills in a balance. You know what our earth weighs? I don't know this. This is just what I'm told. Six sextillion metric tons. And God says, you know what? I can measure it all in scales. All powerful. This is where it lies in our Creator God, evidence of God's power. And we need God's power to get started, right? We're all trying to start something, right? We, we love this phrase. I, I love it too. I, I tell my wife this. Well, <laughs> one of these days, you know, she, she's wondering when I'm going to paint our patio. Well, one, I'll get around to it <laughs> one of these days. Procrastination is my name and only causes sorrow. I know how to change my game. In fact, I will. <laughs> Tomorrow. Paul writes in Romans 7, I often find I have the will to do good, but not the power. (laughs) We know that, right? I have the will. Good intentions aren't good enough. I need the power of this almighty God to help me get started on projects, not only in my house, but more importantly, in my life. This God, our God, gives us the power, right, to get started. He also gives us the power to keep going. It's one thing to get started, right? Something else to keep going. The average housemaker walks 1,037 miles a year cleaning the house. That's why we're tired all the time. How do I keep cleaning the house? Oh, I despise cleaning the house, but it keeps getting dirty. How do I keep cleaning the house? How do I keep praying? How do I keep trusting Jesus? How do I keep my job? Isaiah 40, verse 12, remember? (laughs) 
God can put all the water in the palm of his hand, measure the universe with the span, uh, put the entire world in scales. That God is your God who makes this promise to you. This is the end of Isaiah chapter 40. Those who hope not in politics (laughs) or possessions or popularity, nothing wrong with that stuff, by the way, right? But they're not ultimate, (laughs) not ultimate. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. We all want to be renewed, right? So much becomes dead in my life. And God says, you hope in me and you will renew your strength. Mount on wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not be faint. It's amazing. So this sermon has two parts. The first part we just completed. Isn't that good? Where's the power? The power when I have a power shortage. Where is it? Ultimate power. It's in this God, the Lord, who gives me the power to get started and the power to keep going. So the second part of this sermon is, how do I plug into that, right? How do I plug into the power? Pretty simple here. Four points, A, B, C, D, all right? First, Admit my lack of power. Now, that's hard. There's American, you know, we're taught what? Three words. You know, when you have a great challenge or there's a great obstacle, there's great trouble. In life. Three words. What do we use as American? Bring it on. Right? Bring it on. It's like I'm Superman. I'm Superwoman. I can take it. But that's not how you plug into power. Look what Paul says. I admit my lack of power along with St. Paul. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. This is so counterintuitive. If you want the power of God, this power we're talking about, if you want it, if I want it, it starts with humility. Admit my lack of power. I'm not Superman. I can't leap over buildings in a single bound. Just ask my wife. (laughs) I'm not faster than a speeding bullet. See, Paul, right before this in 2 Corinthians 12, he talks about all his weaknesses. Isn't that amazing? He says, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once Paul says, I was almost stoned to death. Now, that's not stoned like he had too much to drink, all right? (laughs) It means people actually had rocks. You can read about it in Acts chapter 14. They almost stoned Paul to death. He says, three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a day and a night in the open sea. Why would you admit all of your weaknesses? Because you see, when I'm weak, I'm strong. In the verse right before this, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Jesus says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you for my power, the Greek word for power, dynamis, English word dynamite, okay? My power is made perfect in weakness. You're saying, I've never experienced God's power. Why not? It's all about being humble, folks. A, Admit my lack of power. B, believe in God's power. Jesus says, 
All things are possible for the person who believes. The Son, created on the fourth day of creation, the Son, scientists tell us, exerts more power in one second than all the power that has been exerted in the history of the world. Think about that. In one second. And the sun has about 35 billion more years. Now, who created the sun? Our God did. That's why our God can say all things are possible for the person who believes. Are, are you believing God for anything? I mean, really. I mean, are you just kind of going, breathing, walking through life, enjoying air conditioning, right? Summer in Fort Wayne. Or do you believe God's going to do something? What are you believing God wants to do in you and through you? So I admit my lack of power. I believe in God's power. A, B, C. Confess my faith. It's one thing to think about God's power and and God's power in me and through me. It's another thing to verbalize that faith. God wants me to verbalize it. This is what Paul says earlier in 2 Corinthians. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been uh, been written, that's in Psalm 116, verse 10, I believe and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. This is just huge. We short-circuit God's power by the way we speak, especially to ourselves, (laughs) but also to others. The size of our God determines the size of our goal. You got that? Little God, little goal, little life. Big God, big goal, big life. Confess my faith in this God, (laughs) the only God, the God who is omnipotent with all power, and I confess it verbally. James chapter 3 verse 4 says that the tongue is the rudder of your mouth. Did you know that? The direction that my life is taking right now is dependent upon my tongue, what I say, especially what I say to myself. You don't like the direction of your life? What are you saying? See, sometimes we pray for one thing and then we say something else. I'm praying for my daughter to be strong in Jesus, but she probably won't. I'm praying for God to heal my broken heart, but he probably won't. I'm praying for God to help me break this detestable habit, but he probably won't. We short-circuit God's power by the way we talk. So confess my faith. I believed and so I spoke. A, B, C, D. Dared act in faith. Feelings are fine, right? We're all made to have feelings, right? But feelings get in the way sometimes. A lot of times we say, well, I'll make that change when I feel like it. (laughs) Good luck with that, folks. You're stuck for the rest of your life. No, no. (laughs) To experience God's power, I need to dare act in faith. Look at this great verse from Joshua 3. Joshua writes, 
When the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, right? They've left Egypt, 1446 B.C. They've wandered around for 40 years, so this is 404 B.C. They're getting ready to enter the promised land. And the goal is that the, the priests will have the Ark of the Covenant, and, and, and the Jordan River is flowing. By the way, it's spring, so it's at flood stage. And as soon as the priests' soles of their feet shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan, the Jordan by whose water Sloan Marie was just baptized in, right? The Jordan River shall be cut off from flowing. Amazing. And this is exactly what happened. As soon as the priests take the Ark of the Covenant into the Jordan River, it stops flowing. They unleash the power of God. So you're saying, Pastor Les, you mean I'm supposed to walk into my Jordan River without the feelings, without seeing it, without sensing it? Yeah. Yeah. That's called faith. Dare to act not on your feelings, <laughs> but in faith. November 16th, 1532. You know I love history. November 16th, 1532. Conquistador Francisco Pizarro with 168 Spanish soldiers in what would later be called Peru, South America, defeated, soundly defeated, 80,000 Inca-armed Indians. Let me say that again. 168 Spaniards roundly defeated 80,000 armed Inca Indians in one day. Well, you know why. The Spaniards had what? Guns, horses, and steel. Pizarro, Francisco Pizarro, (laughs) he had what? He had the power. (laughs) And so do you. If you've been baptized like Sloan Marie... If you trust in Jesus, you've got power, power. This is looking from the tomb of Jesus. The stone has been rolled away. It's Easter. We never lose sight of the cross. Chris Tomlin, a contemporary Christian songwriter, puts it this way in his great song, I Have Resurrection Power. It's based upon Romans chapter 8, verse 11, where Paul says, the spirit who rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. Chris Tomlin sings, you called me from the grave by name. You took away all my shame. I see the old has passed away. The new has come. I have resurrection power. Living on the inside. And so do you. You really do. So how do I plug into it? Well, you know by now, right? A, B, C, D. (laughs) Admit my weakness. Believe in God's power. Confess my faith. 
I believe, therefore I speak. And then dare to act in faith. Enter your Jordan River. A, B, C, D. To which I would conclude with these words. Ready, set, go. We have a great hymn in response, so let's stand and sing it.